Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Culture Podcast. Today we did something just a little bit different. My wife Kaylee came and sat down in the podcast studio and we just had an open conversation about who we are, what our goals are, and what we intend to do with this podcast. We'll continue to do our documentary style episodes, but for today, please enjoy a conversation with my beautiful wife, Kaylee Hott. Okay, so this podcast is not intended to be an interview podcast, but I feel like if we weren't set up to do it and we didn't take some time to have some conversations, we'd be missing out on a lot. My main plan is to tell a story and dramatize that or make it like sort of a documentary style podcast because those are some of my favorites. And so that was kind of my goal was to do that. But I think that conversations need to be had too that aren't necessarily on a podcast platform yet. So my wife Kaylee Hot and I are testing out our apartment studio in the barn in the barn <laughs> so hopefully there's not too many barking dogs and roosters and kids in the background i but. think we've got everybody sorted off to where there's not <laughs> too much sound going on but uh kaylee and i we've been married eight, seven seven years mm-hmm. and we've got two boys and we train horses for a living as well as other things Got a handful of cows turned out with your dad and some of them here that we use. And they work a little bit. Nothing too crazy anymore. We're so busy with this, but... We're just two kids trying to make it mm-hmm. in the horse world. Mm-hmm. And we both came from a rodeo background. I grew up here and I lived and breathed bucking horses and... In Arizona. In Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, Like here is Arizona. (laughs) And I I was infatuated with rodeo and that was all I cared about. And that was how I was going to make my living no matter what. And I started, I started out riding bareback horses. And then when that dried up and I knew I didn't want to do that anymore, I did every single job you could do at a rodeo as well as Decided I was going to be a calf roper, and then I focused on team roping, and I picked up a ton of bucking horses and fought bulls a little. Announced. Announced. Almost every job you could do in a rodeo arena, Yep, I've had it. Contracted. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or helped the contractor. I think it's really cool that that's how we both started. Yeah. We both just rodeoed so hard. Those were our goals and dreams, and we put everything we had into it, and we're still just meshing our dreams and they're changing but we both started out that way I grew up in Idaho that's all I did was rodeo my bareback riding career didn't take off so I was a goat tire yeah and uh both college rodeoed that's kind of how we met to what brought us to the same place at the same time yep yep and both of us took care of cows a little bit with our parents and our family and my, yeah, my my dad managed a ranch my entire childhood, rough country. Yeah, He had a pack of hounds and a string of mules. And so our horsemanship, with air quotes, wasn't necessarily horsemanship. It was ride them until they got so tired that they accepted. You well, just, just worked use them. them. Yeah, used them to the point where they accept yeah. whatever it is you're going to do. And they got better. And it was a good, it wasn't like we were torturing them, but we weren't actively trying to teach them something or they were just a tool for the cows and the ranch and both of us grew up that way i think everyone on both sides of our family owns some sort of livestock and is a part of it in one way or another and now we're just trying to better that yeah perfect it in in all aspects well and i didn't even I mean, I knew about starting colts, and I had rode some young horses like through high school and stuff, but I didn't even know, aside from TV, I didn't know horsemanship was a thing. And yeah, I don't know why. I thought that a round pen was to get them tired enough that you <laughs> could get on them. Yep. And I didn't know anything about groundwork or preparing them or any of that stuff. And then when I found that, 
it completely changed my life. Like, yeah. And it, I don't know, it gave me so many opportunities to do so many different things. And like you hear all the old timers say it, like if you can shoe a horse and start a colt, then you'll never be hungry. Yeah. And, and I could do both those things. Shoeing wasn't very good at the time, but, and it's true. Yeah. I've always been fed like with horses. Yeah. One way or another. I mean, I've had other little odd jobs that I've tried to pursue to be more financially stable than a kid that starts colts and shoes horses. But every time I try to leave, it's like I'm in this Peter Pan stage where I get sucked back into wanting to ride horses. And Well, when it makes you happy and makes you a little bit of money we're not the kind of people that are going to do something that we don't enjoy just to have a lot of money. Yeah. And our parents weren't that way. They, I mean, they did what they had to do to make money. You speak for yourself. My dad's an empire man. <laughs> he will work himself to the bone. Yeah, but he loves it. Yeah. It, well, it doesn't matter if it's cows, you know, hauling water, dirt work. Yeah. If he's making money and he's outside working, he loves it. Yeah. But if you tried to force him into a box because it was going to make him three times the amount of money, he You're wouldn't right. do it. Right. You're so right. as long as they're happy and making money, that's. And it, it's so funny because when I asked my dad in the past about being happy, he's like, I'm not really like a happy person. <laughs> I don't give a shit if I'm smiling and laughing all the time. I just want to be left alone and build what I want to build. And And I think that he's got a a clouded version on what happiness is. He knows when he's not happy. For sure. And, and everybody else around him knows <laughs> it too. Exactly. But he makes sure that he's when he's not happy, he goes and does something that makes him, yeah, quote unquote, his version of happy. Well, well having a pack of hounds or mm -hmm. riding, just riding mules in general, especially the way he goes about it. Would piss is, anybody off. It's not easy. No. It's not like rainbows and unicorns. No. It's work. But it's he borderline loves it. scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, crawling around in those mountains on those runoff mules can be a little bit challenging at times, but like he loves the challenge. Yeah. And like he's the epitome of masculinity. Yeah. And I think that's sure. what makes him happy. Yep. But in his mind, when you say happy, yeah. you think of songs and dancing and big smiling, and he's not that guy. No, no. And we're going off on a tangent here, and we told ourselves, told ourselves we wouldn't do that. So back to it, we live in Arizona. We ride horses for the public and slowly working, being able to have our own string of nice horses. We've always had our own string, but they're just kind of what we've thrown together. Yeah. Now we're working on building a nice set of horses that we can be proud of. Well, let's talk about that a little bit because... We talked about our rodeo career mm -hmm. being such a big deal. And like, I didn't have this vast rodeo career. I made, Same. I qualified to the circuit finals and did good in high school and did decent in college because I couldn't stay long enough to do well right. in college. And I wasn't as good of a student that is, as I needed to be to be successful yeah. in the college rodeo deal. And then we got into the horsemanship. And now this latest change has been into the show and the cow horses. Mm -hmm. And that's been a very challenging and rewarding journey yeah. for me. Yep. And I guess, well, the, I guess the way it kind of happened is I was riding some cow horse rejects yeah. that Corey Cushing had. And for, I was riding for Gianna Hansen. Mm -hmm. And I had, was day working a little bit and I took two of her horses up to Seligman and there was this big crew of guys bunch of, when we go work for this guy they're half buckaroo and half cow punchers this guy's he's a puncheroo because he's got friends on both sides of the spectrum yep and and they love to fight yeah about who's better who's yeah. handier what works what doesn't it's so much fun because it's it is such a competition yeah and you kind of do get a little bit tribal yeah I'm definitely from the cow puncher background. Yeah. My shafts are different, but I thoroughly enjoy with riding. I thoroughly enjoy riding with the guys that are really good that have that more vaquero style horsemanship. And Joe Spillane yeah. is the first person I think of. Sam yeah. Munsick, those guys up there sure. that are handy and 
they still take care of cows, just like a cow puncher. Like but Wade they Tibbet, do it different. Wade, Wade Tibbetts Tibbet. and I talked about it one time, and he was like, "You could put the best cow puncher and the best buckaroo guy in the same corral, have them swap ropes, and they'd still do a great job. Yep, swap ropes, swap horses, they'd still do just as good of a job. Yep, it's all the middle bullshit in the in the. It's all the mediocre guys that make all this tribalism. Right, right. But they're still there to take care of cows and ride horses and use horses to take care of them. Anyways. So we're riding with Brad. Right. And some, I rode a three-year-old and this little sucker worked all day and he was broke. And I think that Brad was under the assumption that I had made that horse what he was. Yeah. And I, I think that I played my part, but he'd been at Corey's for a year. So right. he was pretty broke. And just the way he was bred. Yeah. Nice played horse. Played a huge role. And we're Natural loading trucks. I think we load like eight, loaded eight or nine trucks of steers that day or something like that. And uh, last truck, we have to, we have a ground load pull up there. And the wind up there is terrible. It yeah. blows the gate shut on this trailer. And the last three calves that are fixing to jump on get out. And they're <laughs> running down towards the I-40. Oh, shit. And they're still a right-of-way fence. They weren't going to get on the, high, the interstate, but... They it was might a race. have. Everybody runs off. And I'm riding a three year old. So I'm just got at a little casual lope, <laughs> trying to be a part of the conversation. I've been riding him all day, and everybody in the crew misses, misses him. <laughs> the two cow puncher guys catch two calves right away, right by the curls. And I watch these, this buckaroo crew yell the F bomb 50 times because they're going fast. <laughs> and it's not doesn't necessarily fit their style of horsemanship. Yeah, right? they're not I'm in a not slow control. I'm not talking shit. Right. <laughs> but just hauling ass and throwing big loops doesn't necessarily go together. Right. And so, like, after they miss a couple times, I roll up in the middle of this calf, rope him around the neck, just puff him around, start him off the other direction, get him back to the corrals. And it was a neat day. And I have to drive by that set of corrals every time I go to Nevada, which seems like constantly now. Four or five times a year. Yeah. And he called me a week later and asked if I wanted to start a snaffle bitter for him. And I'm like, well, I've never, never done that. He's like, oh, that's fine. He, you'll be in the level one, so it'll be easy. No big deal. No problem. I'm like, well, if you want to take a gamble on a guy that's never done it and have him go do it, I'm in. Yeah. So now I'm stressed out that I have to make this horse do all these things that I've never made a horse do. Yeah. You know, like I know how to get him steering around. I know how to get him to stop kind of, turn around kind of, but nothing show quality. Yeah. And I don't even know the rules. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're doing. I've seen it and I've worked on cattle crews a couple times at this point, but I have no idea what the cow horse is. Yeah. And I met some of these guys when I did live in Rio Verde, like when we first got together, I was breaking in steers with like Brad Barkmeyer and Corey Cushing. So I knew who they were. Yeah. And Jake Berry worked for Corey and we're closer to the same age and we got to be pretty good buddies. So I'd go ride with him and now I'm getting all this new information and it is so much fun yeah. making these horses and giving yourself a deadline to have him trained. Yeah. I need to have him doing these things by this time in order to be successful. And now all my colts start getting better. Yeah. Because I have a purpose and I'm going somewhere. I have a target that I'm trying to hit. Yep. And I found my way to Nick Dower's place and just indulged myself in all this information that is on the internet and everything else. And it completely changed my program. And at the time, we were renting a hodgepodge facility in Sunflower living in a ranch house, trading some day work and some different stuff, basically living for free and renting our facility, which was pretty nice in a bunch of aspects. We had a little bit of pasture and we could go prowl right. around in the mountains and we could rope. And, yeah. But for what we were trying to do, it wasn't ideal. It's, it was just all these stepping stones that we had to take to get there. Because you had rode horses and... Casa Grande and Rio Verde and Cave Creek. But to get back to that point seemed impossible to make it work with a little family because it costs so much money 
to rent those facilities oh my God. or try to go buy one only a year into it. Nobody's going to loan you the money. And even if they were, you couldn't make that payment at that point. And when we were in Morristown and the horses just kept coming in, we were like, okay, now we've got to do something. We kind of looked at each other and we're like, I guess we're riding horses for a living. Where do we go? And we moved to Sunflower. And like you said, trading, doing whatever we could. Well, and my thought at that time when we left, that was when COVID was kicking off. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was all going to dry up. Because remember, we had a couple horses from a guy. In New Mexico. That had, and he, he worked in the oil field and did a lot of trading in like the stock market and stuff. And when that, and I had rode horses for him before and he was so volatile, volatile, is that right? I'm not sure. <laughs> With the market that like, as soon as things started to get weird, he was like, I can't afford yep. anything right now. We're just going to pull all our money back and wait and see what happens. And I was worried that everyone was going to do that. Well, and, that and worst case scenario, we know we can ride for, for dad and eat yep. and be okay. Well, because it was, we were living off grid yeah. out there. We were 40 miles from town, no electricity, no trash service, no nothing. And so our life was a little tough in that aspect. And all we had was an arena. And well, even, even before that, we remember I got that, I got a job to build the arena for a guy in Goldfield. Goldfield. Yeah. And so we made, I don't know, like, 3,500 bucks or mm -hmm. something like that welding this guy in arena up. Yep. And I'm kind of thinking that I'm just going to help dad do whatever he's doing. And I think Caesar, yeah, Caesar De La Cruz calls me and he says, hey, I got a guy that's got three or... Yeah, I think it was three or four. Three or four mares. And we, we got, we're like, all right, well, yeah, we'll take them. So we drive over there, talk to John about it. I said, hey, these guys wants to... This guy wants to send us some colts. Is it cool if we stick them over here? Yeah, no big deal. No, with no idea what was going to come. No. And we had four at the house. Yeah. Just in panel stalls. Yeah. But we had a whole sack of panels there. Yep. And we're like, we'll just build some stalls on the inside of this arena. Because that arena was what? 300 wide? Yeah, it was, no, it was 150 wide and 280 long. So it's a huge arena. Yeah. So we made it work and we just put all these stalls along the one side of the arena buckets and hoses and that's how we watered <laughs> yeah. everybody and cleaned those pens like they were normal pens but they were inside an arena yeah. and we m moved the round pen that you've had forever and oh, if I, you've moved it how many times i think however many times the last time we moved it is probably the last time it'll ever move because it was falling apart. You have to set it up apart. with a boom truck. Yeah. You can't just... It's a big eight-foot-tall by 50-foot round pin, and it's like each panel's like 250 pounds a piece. You can kind of move them around, but like to you can't lift them. No. And stand them up without some piece me. of machinery. <laughs> yeah. So we went from... It just slowly was building, yeah. and so, it spiraled out of control that we had no idea. Pretty soon, we had 12 horses, 12 outside well, horses there. Well, I think it was like 15 this fast, yes. and I just, I thought that in my, my thought process was that we had better ride these horses now and make the money, because obviously these dumb bastards don't know this whole thing's about to crash. Right. So... I kept saying that to all the neighbors and stuff. And so, well, we got the horses now. We'll just make hay while the sun shines. Yep. And when when it tanks out, we'll just go back to doing what we're doing. And we, I know I can weld and build build an arena, or I could go sit on a bulldozer or drive a truck or whatever. Like yep. I can make money. I I was never concerned that we weren't going to eat, but the horses just kept showing up. They never stopped coming. Yeah, and we kept getting. I feel like our social media and the content we were putting out really helped because you were doing some cool stuff. It was a sweet back, you know, backdrop. We Very had a, the pond. Picturesque. And, and yeah. Yeah. And, and you were doing a good job. Your horsemanship just kept getting better because we kept getting better horses. Sure. And we learned a lot oh in those gosh. two years about not only riding for you, but taking care of them for me. And because that's how our deal 
works is yep. I, I like riding them. Yep. And I will take care of them, but my care pretty much ends at throwing hay. Make sure they have feed and water. If they need doctored, I can handle that. But yeah, nutrition and how they look that and billing. I mean, everything yep. else that is required in horse. And I learned a lot in those two years about taking care of horses. And I got an ash chewing more times than I like to admit I needed it. And like Gianna Hansen, it's like, when was the last time he had a bath? I'm like, I don't know. I washed his tail. I wash him off. She's like, he needs, they need a bath at least once a week. Shampoo and condition, a tail bag. And in my mind, I'm like, is we live in Sunflower. Nobody even sees this horse. Yeah. And that was a problem. Yeah. That was a problem with our business growing is if you hide out in the middle of nowhere all the time, then nobody ever sees you, then you're not going to get any right. new customers. And especially, I mean, social media is good. Right. But social media doesn't mean that people are going to bring you a trailer full of right. horses. Like you need to be seen. But that's wrong because it did. When Billadoo's called... They didn't call because they drove past our place in Sunflower. They saw our social media. Yeah. And they were like, wow, this guy's but doing a good job. But you also need the referrals, right? Like, For sure. Cause, and I can't remember who referred them or how, I, they, how, how they found they us. They just but. found us on Facebook. Oh, I, really? It was as organic as, hey, I like your Facebook page. And, as far as I know, I didn't know any more. And that is the beauty of being a cult starter is there's, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, starts, that start cults. Yeah. But... There's not a ton of competition mm -mm. in this business. And if you have good customer service skills, then you'll, you'll do well. Yeah. I mean, even if you're not the best horse trainer in the world, as long yeah. as they're, they're getting a better product that then, then they dropped off yep. and you treat them well and the experience they have with you. Yep. And the communication. Yeah. You know, especially if they're there for 90 days, they know that their horse is taken care of because not everyone can come out and see them. But what I was back to saying about Gianna taught me that. Sure. I'm like, he's not going to a horse show. She's like, if someone comes along and I want 15000 for this three-year-old, he'd better look nice. Yeah. And like, man, you're right. I, I need to do more. And he probably should weigh 20, maybe 40 more pounds than he sure. does right now. And just ready to go all the time. Yeah. And it can be hard. And there's some clients that don't, they don't care about that kind of stuff. And you have to know that. And I learned that like that person is going to go ranch on this horse. He just wants to make sure that when he goes to drag cabs or whatever, that that horse is safe and that doesn't fall on me. But all these other clients that are a huge part of our program now that I didn't anticipate, I have a lot to learn. Yeah. And when you're rodeoing and stuff like that, Nobody cares. Nobody looks know. at the top line. I mean, some people do. They do now. It's the, becoming more prevalent now. But back then, it was like, I don't know. Does he does he leave hard? Does he give you a shot? Man, that horse Who is cares? flat across the line. Yeah. And he stops the clock. Yep. Man, he's awesome. I don't yeah. care that he doesn't have a tail. And I don't care that, you know, he's got a knot on his knee. Nobody cares. Right. Um, or that he could use 40 pounds. Sure. Most of those horses at the rodeos at that point definitely could. But they if they were winning... Nobody cares. And that was the biggest problem with me for the team roping is when I made that transition into like riding nice horses and yeah. trying to do more than the average team roper was doing. The I worked so hard during the week like that my horse was shod good and it looked like horse show ready. And her tail had been bagged and like I wanted the mare that I was riding, I wanted her to be the best looking and the best working horse there and be mentally sound and like have all these things. And meanwhile, some kids got one mashed in the corner, totally upset and blown up, looking like trash, no tail, mane rubbed out, and he kicked my ass at the team roping. And that, I mean, good on him. Like, yep. that's awesome Awesome that you can rope that good. Yep. But it wasn't the, the direction that I was trying to go, and it was kind of like a void for me. And that's yep. the cool thing about the cow horse. Like, even if you get, like, when you get to a horse show, and you get beat, especially at like the pre-fraternity or, or the derbies. Like those people have been working for a while. Right. Trying to have that horse prepared. Yeah. And you know, like some of them are naturally talented. Some of them have advantages that other people don't have. But for the most part, everybody there in the open worked hard. Yep. To get there. And yep. so if they beat you, it's kind of like hats off, man. Yeah. Good job. And I think that's a neat 
camaraderie that maybe rodeo doesn't have. It's and getting it, there. It's helped. It's helped me. Yeah. Be more passionate about the cow horse deal for yeah. what little I time I've spent in it. Yeah. I think that it's really neat that transition that we've made from putting ourselves first and now we're putting the horses first. Sure. And granted you had to have a horse to rodeo on, but we're we're just in that transition right now. They were Words, tools then. They were tools and they're tools now. You still have to ride that horse. Sure. And I had a rude awakening yesterday with that at Nick's place or at Nick's clinic. Yeah. You know, this is a nice horse and you've done a lot with him in the last four months, but I still have to know how to make him do it. Yeah. But he also has to have all those other things. Sure. He has to look good and feel good and know the maneuvers and I have to do it with him. Yeah. And you have to know how to get what you're asking for. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the cool thing about that deal. I mean, this is a little off of what we were trying to do, but like, I just wanted you to go have a good day and enjoy it and be able to feel a little bit of what I've got to feel mm -hmm. the last few years, you know, like, cause you're hanging on to the rodeo deal. Like you still want a breakaway rope and <laughs> I, yeah. And I don't blame you. I think it's cool, but the satisfaction that I've gotten out of just getting the few horses shown that I've gotten to show. Yeah. I mean, they mean, it, it means a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And it's not, there's no world titles or glamour involved at this point. I just want to be part of the conversation. You bet. When people bring up high quality horse trainers. Yeah. And that's whatever notoriety comes with that. Cool. Whatever yeah. we can win along the way, that's awesome. But just to be a part of the conversation yeah. is cool to me. Like, that's my goal now. Yeah. Well, you obviously have a talent for it because... We didn't know that, you know, especially when we were in Sunflower and we were just riding two-year-olds and some rope horses and some ranch horses and things like that. And then you got some nice horses that had that talent naturally and they were kind of showing you and Brad sending you taco. Yeah. And that was the goal. Once you rode those horses that did that, you're like, okay. And then Brad puts this hopes and dreams into you of making this snaffle bit horse. And you're like, okay. And we didn't even, the, the shits about that horse is we didn't even get him shown. I know, <laughs> but that's... That year, because he was a hard keeper, mm -hmm. that horse made us... Oh, it, it man. It started us on this journey. Yeah. And and he's been coming back now with a girl that's helping us. Mesa's yeah. been bringing him back, and um, I get to ride him, and I get to see the holes that I had in my program, and that's pretty cool. So he's still teaching us, and, yep. and I think everybody has a horse in their lifetime. I could think of several that I'll probably end up talking about at some point in time that were, they turned the page for me into the next chapter of my right. horsemanship. And he was a big turning point for us. And, and like on your side, oh, he man. was a hard keeper. He took a tremendous amount of feed and con concoctions to have him looking and feeling good. Yep. And on my side, he started out kind of a bronc. Yeah. But he, I mean, he was naturally gifted in certain areas and wasn't in others. No. And. And it's hard to be around in general. He didn't really like people. Yeah. He didn't want to hang out with us. He didn't have this huge personality of like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do great things. You yeah. know, he was kind of like, leave me alone. I'll go drag my ass and I'll go turn around, but don't touch me. Sure. Don't hang out with me. And I'm going to be a little thin and picky about my food. You can feed me all you want. I'm not going to eat it. And. All those things. It was just tricky. But I truly believe that if you had got him shown, it wouldn't have given you the itch that you still have right. for these cow horses. I think it left me craving it. Oh, man, because it was such a disappointment Yeah. when he come up lame four days before we were supposed to leave. Yeah. And he just clipped himself. He just hurt himself. It wasn't anything dramatic. It, and we tried. It wasn't know. a career-ending thing. No, but it... If, and if we... I, I think that I didn't have him as ready to For go sure. as like the horses I had this last year. They weren't even, he wasn't even close. That's what I'm saying. Ready is to he, show. And I would have him. taken an, I would have gotten a negative taste in my mouth. Yep. Like, Oh, I went up there and got my ass kicked and yep. looked stupid. And, and, but it, that was, it, it happened just the way it needed. I exactly. Mean, our entire life has been that way. I think everybody's life is that way. It if you happens, see it that way. It happens exactly. It happened exactly to. the way it was supposed to for yep. it to work out the way it has. Yeah. And, that's why 
well, anything, anytime something comes up that feels catastrophic or or like, like a negative impact, it's like, oh how my are we going to go get over we this? We work so hard, and it's yeah. like I, I try really hard not to whine and complain. Yeah, I just want to look for. I get excited. Yeah, for the good thing that's going to come after, because it's like every time something bad happens, yeah, it's followed up by something really good. Yeah, and thank God for that. Like, right, it's been so much fun, and it's made. And I had I've had to work at this perspective. It's not like I just woke up one day super grateful, right. wanting to show gratitude to the world all the time. But now I am. I mean, I'm so happy to be doing what we're doing and yeah. going where we're going. And like, I want to be a little bit depressed sometimes, yeah. or a little bit down on the way things are. It's like, man, we work so hard for nothing. Yep. But if I really look at it, man, everything has worked out exactly the way it's supposed to yep. for us to every, and every time something goes wrong something better happens right after yeah and, and it's such a cool life to live yep well and we were living there in sunflower and we were so busy that you couldn't get through all of them and so you're like i'd like to hire somebody and that scared me to death that was a big deal because how do you pay somebody when i mean we're paying ourselves finally yeah. You know, we're finally at the point where there isn't a thousand dollars in our account and then there's fifty dollars in our account. We were past that point. And I wanted to just keep building on that, but we couldn't because you couldn't take any more horses. You couldn't charge any more than you were at that point. Yeah. Just based off a of facility. I couldn't justify no charging more for panel stalls. Yeah. And we did invest into stalls and they got better. Yeah. But they didn't have any shelter they were just living outside and yeah we were still handcuffed on how good we could make that place then the only thing that made that place work is it was so pretty all around it yep that it distracted people from the facility itself yep is nobody ever pulled in there and they were like i'm not putting my horses in those stalls right they they, man what a pretty pond yeah look at these mountains this place is like a little oasis back here what a view yeah Yeah, you look over there i'm gonna (laughs) send this horse off with kaylee and she's gonna stay in the stall and yeah i'll get you out of here and they weren't dangerous stalls they just weren't covered they were kind of small the ground was hard you know and all the things and it was reflecting over time that we needed a better facility yeah and so we hired dan which was great he was he was new too so it worked out good that he was fresh in the employment world and we were fresh as bosses and he didn't expect a lot and we didn't know what to expect yeah so it worked out really good, but we knew that we needed to make a change. Hauling our own trash to the dump all the time, and our horses needed a better facility. We needed a better facility. Our our, our, li- our living and our horses' living needed to improve if we were going to yeah. continue to grow. So we moved, and we took on a big payment that we thought that we just had nailed down, right? And... We, we ran the numbers every which direction. Oh, man. And thought there was, it was going to be tough, but there was no way we could lose. Right. Until we lost a couple of cheap employees, yep. you know, that were a big benefit to our numbers, to yep. our books. And then we were having to hire. Well, hiring and Rio Verde, those people make more than we do. Oh, my gosh. The stall cleaner, yeah, made, made way two more. grand a month. More. He he made seven. We paid him seven hundred a week. Off of us. That's and what then, I mean. And then he would go clean at other places after that. It's like, yeah. man, everybody's making money here, but us. But us. And not to mention that Hayes twelve thousand dollars per a semi load. For a semi load. I didn't. And we're feeding, I don't know, eight <laughs> eight meals a day or something like that. Like it was. Well, and it handcuffed us on personal horses. Yeah. We could not build our program at that rate, and it's like we're just going to be making this circle, you know, the, the same it, circle forever. The only we, way you could make it work is to not own any of your own horses yep. and just ride solely for the public. So you don't have any of your Overhead. feed. Yeah. You don't yep. have any of your feed going into something that's not paying you back right now. Well, at that rate, we were better. We, like we talked about, we were better to go back to what you were doing when we first lived in Rio Verde. Yeah. Put that saddle and that snaffle in the backseat of your pickup and drive to all these other barns and we'll rent us a little house, you know, instead of having $10,000 in rent, (laughs) we'll have $25,000, $3,500. So we just got really lucky 
And again, Brad made this connection and we moved to the neatest place up here in Camp Verde. Oh, I just made, got so lucky to land on it uh, and like everything worked out perfect. And it is not a five-star horse facility, resort. Right. But it is a good working. It's the perfect balance of what we do. Yeah. It's a little ranchy. You know, there's still, there's poop. And there's some twine string holding some panels together. <laughs> Granted, there's horses, horses aren't living in that. But the eye appeal isn't what Rio Verde is. But these horses are in good pens, Because we've pastures. been on both sides of the spectrum, oh, right? Man. We've been in the, the fanciest barns, like when we were young, working for other people, in the fanciest barns you could find. Cobblestone, yep. breezeways, and yep. just immaculate and facilities. a whole crew that did everything for you. They yeah. grained, blanketed, fed, cleaned stalls. It was immaculate. You didn't have to water or work the arena. You nope. just showed up, caught a horse, and got on. So it seemed, like at that time, it seemed like, man, this is easy. Right. Why but, isn't everybody doing this? And I didn't respect the man, like the managers of those places. Absolutely. Near yeah. Just, the, just ordering the hay in time and the right hay at the right price. <laughs> say, yeah. And How having many a barn to put it go, in. Oh, shit. We're out of hay. Yeah. And had to go to the feed store and spend more because yeah. we were focused we're on managing. everything else. Uh, well, focused on everything else going on instead of seeing what was coming before it came. And it's not negligence. It's just there. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to think about all the time. And you need those panic moments yes. so that it matters the next time. Yep. Yeah. And running a business, a horse business, is I'm learning, is more complicated, but it's what everyone else is going through too. Like sure. after talking to Chad and Tim with their hardware store, they go through the same thing. Oh my gosh, we're out of that on the shelf? Did someone not order it? Oh my gosh, now we have to do payroll and advertising and the POS system's down and they go through the same things of oh nice there's fifty thousand dollars in our account yeah. just kidding there's only five right you know because we had to pay all these people this week yeah and that's and so and so didn't cash their check from two months ago until right now and, yeah, yeah and i was anticipating it coming out then which is why i spent money over here and so yeah it's a lot it's a lot to think about but so very grateful and we're learning a lot on how to fine-tune this horse training machine i feel like yeah and having the right crew, the right price, at the right place. Yeah, and then it's it, not, not, not necessarily paying your employees cash, but like giving them opportunity. Yes. And like I've spent my whole career as a boss, which is I don't know, four or five years, mm -hmm. trying to be the boss that I wanted to be. And a lot of times, or trying to be the boss I wanted to have when I was at their place. Mm hmm. And a lot of times that ends up biting you in the ass because you give somebody a lot of opportunity and, and invest a lot of time and effort in somebody. And they're just like, you know what? Yeah. I want to do things different. I'm going to leave. Yeah. So finding that balance between, hey, I want to really help you out. Yeah. And no, you need to prove yourself to me and show me that I'm going to get my investment back out of you. Yep. And sometimes that's just in... I don't even know if it's actually pays you back physically, but it's like, I, I do feel good in seeing some of my former employees doing well in other things. Yeah. The interesting thing to me is the relationships, the relationship that you keep with your previous bosses or colleagues, you know, and now you're creating that for a whole new generation of people. Yeah, no, and I feel like people try to tell you when you're younger that it's important to keep good relationships and not burn bridges, but you don't respect it until right. you realize how important it is. Like, in the moment, you can be like, I don't care if I ever see this sucker ever, ever again. Yeah, especially when you're looking at him every and day mad. and he's chewing your ass, <laughs> yeah. you know, because you needed your ass chewed. But yeah, or whether it was I needed it or he's having a bad day or a combination of the both. Yeah. Like you're going to want to want that relationship later on in life. Yeah. Well, the whole reason that we decided to do this podcast this morning was because Mike is going to come do a podcast with you Yeah. and you want to be able to do a good job with him because you guys have been friends for 15 years or mm. so. Yeah, less than that. I guess I went to work for him when I was 19. Um, yeah, so 
it's really neat now that you get to sit down with him after all these years working with him, without him, you know. So I have a, I don't even know if I've talked to you about this. I've talked to several of my friends about this, <laughs> but I have a, there's basically anytime I'm struggling with a decision or what to do or um, thinking about life choices, I have a boardroom in my brain. Have I talked to you about this yeah. before? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you go down the line. There's there's a table on the 60th floor in this major building in my brain, <laughs> and at this table are all these important people that help me make my life decisions. Mm -hmm. And Mike's there, and he's always got some killer story, and you're trying to figure out... How it pertains to your question. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there's more. There's always multiple lessons in every story he's telling you, especially when he's talking about horsemanship. Um, Nick Dowers found his way in there. Jake Berry's found his way in there. Jeffrey Wilms is there, and he's being aggravating. <laughs> some, he's saying something. And there's value in what he's saying, you just have to dig it out, you right. know? Yeah. He's a very smart man, and he's done very well in the horse business, but his social skills can be abrasive <laughs> to some people sometimes. If you but went I, through mine and Jeffrey's text message thread, you would, yeah. yeah. And I'm glad that he's there because of the success, and it's like I can kick anybody out at any time, mm -hmm. but like I give these guys a seat at the table yep. in my board meetings on how I'm going to make a decision. Yeah. Um, my dad's there and I just, it really helps me because I know what they're going to say Yeah. on almost everything. And sometimes they surprise me, but for the most part, I don't even have to call them anymore. Like yeah. on specifics I do, but if I have a life decision that I'm trying to decide between two different options and I know what they are, like I know how these guys are going to answer it. Yeah. And so I go down through the table mm -hmm. and I ask each, ask each individual. Yeah. And I have to remind Jeffrey to be quiet so I could tell him <laughs> what I'm trying to do. I'm not finished, Jeffrey. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't even know where I was going with that rant, but like... The relationships that you the, keep yeah. because they are going to have an important seat at your table when you go to make life decisions. And, and these men have molded me. Yeah. And Tim Christensen. He's a big one. Yeah, he yeah. sits there, and he's got such a good perspective. Yep. And, but these men have molded me into who I am, and that's why what we were talking about earlier, like I'm so concerned with, I have a hard time with the clinics mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm just telling them things that other people have told me. Right. And I'm giving away information that they gifted to me. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that, that is, I've struggled with. Because people are wanting some lessons now. You bet. And I'm starting to get enough notoriety behind me that it's like, yeah, I have something to teach you. I can definitely help you with your horse. But like on a grand public scale to yeah. sit on Instagram and say, hey, this is how I do this. And this is the way to do it. Right. It would be so hard for me to. It's like stealing a line out of. It's plagiarism. It's plagiarism. Yeah. It's brain plagiarism they yeah. gave me information and i'm just gonna spit it out at somebody else and i know there are so many people that do that yeah and that's why clinton anderson charges you to go you have to pay to go learn his program yeah because that's basically what they're doing they're telling the world what he believes to be true is right yeah. yeah well and i think that's the whole point is that it has to cost money because it's no different than someone going to college and learning. And when you pay, you respect it more. Exactly. But not only that, you can tell someone something until they're blue in the face. And until they go put it to use, it's just knowledge in their head. Sure. So you have to use those things. And that's that's such an admirable thing. And that's what I, I really try to be a good student. Yeah. And I still go to clinics. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to continue to go to them as long as I can't like I love them they they mean so much to me I want to be a good student and when I get a good student that's the best thing ever yeah like, well what makes you an admirable student and trainer is when you go to these things and they tell you hey this is how you accomplish this you're like yes sir you go home you do those things and then your horse is a reflection of you learning that yeah and same with the people that you teach but that's why you just can't hand out knowledge 
for no reason. And most people that listen to your knowledge aren't going to go use it. And that's a good point because sometimes when I do give it out for free, like to our friends or just people that are around, yeah, and I know they know the right answer, yep, and they choose to do the opposite of the right answer, I get kind of offended. I get and very offended and and kind of pissed off. Yes, or like we've had kids pull in here that they know they've fed for us and know how to feed, feed. and they pull in here with a thin horse. Yep, or. Yep. They know how to handle any horsemanship situation. And I guess it almost, I think it makes me so mad because this might be a bit of a reflection on me. Like, obviously, I didn't make you understand this enough to where you care. This is the right answer. Yeah. Like, this is how you get through this. Yep. And if you want to do it with a an iron fist and yep. a thin horse, then that's whatever. I didn't do my job good no. enough. Yep. It's very frustrating frustrating when people are like, I want to do better, but do you? Yeah. You want to talk about it. You want to talk about it. You want to hear what I have to say so that you can repeat it, but you're not actually going to use it. Sure. That's a big thing with everything, not just horses. You know that you're not supposed to drink a diet soda every single day with every single meal, but you don't care. And that's fine. Whatever. If that's who you are, don't complain when you have diabetes. Yeah. It's the same thing. I know that I'm supposed to feed 20 pounds of hay a day. Yeah. But I choose not to. Or, yeah, when they're open. When it's like yeah. my horse is blowed up in the box. Yep. Okay. Free up his feet. Make sure you can move every bit of his body whenever you need to. Be that in the box or outside of it. Mm-hmm. And don't run 40 steers if they can't handle 40 steers. Yep. And it's like. No, I just want you to fix it today Yeah. so that I could keep running 40, 50, 60 steers on yep. these horses. You don't want to put in the work. Yeah. You just just to run. say that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's fine. And there, there, I think there are ways around that. Yep. Like if you don't want to do it like I do, there's definitely ways around that. You, know, you could dope him out of his mind forever. Yep. And I don't blame you. That's fine. That works too. Yep. And, <laughs> but don't ask me for help. Right. And then be like, well, it only worked for a while. Right. Well, you only worked for, for a, while. a while. Yeah. You, know? you didn't put in the work and you know that that's in everything. Like we said, it's in everything. And I know I'm doing it too in certain right. aspects of my life. I we know that I'm perfect neg- all the time. Well, I don't think I'm perfect at all unless you I'm can talking try to, to you things. or your in-laws. I have to <laughs> establish dominance, but, or my in-laws, sorry. I was going to say your in-laws for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, but I definitely don't feel like I'm perfect and i know that i'm neglecting things like i mean i don't go i go to the gym a lot but i don't go every single day yeah and i know that i've got some machines out there that need more maintenance than i've been giving them but on what i what's important to me which is these horses i'm trying to do the best damn job that i can yeah all the time and sometimes i'll i'll slide off the program and and kind of go back to some old ways but for the most part, like I believe in the program that we built and I think we're putting out some pretty good animals and we're getting closer yep. to that target, I guess that ever moving target. We're always kind of chasing it and getting a little bit better and a little bit better. And yeah. now we're trying to start our own mm-hmm. program and our own little string of horses so that we always have something to show no matter what happens. And yep. what a fun journey. It is really cool. I think, what is so good about our program is the communication, the honesty, and the give a shit. Yeah. I think a lot of horse trainers or people just in the horse industry um, don't expect what you put out. And I think a lot of guys like me struggle with the communication part. They, they like riding horses, and they might be pretty good hands with horses, but then and when it comes down to the people that own them is where they fall apart. Yeah. And they are the most important part. And they write whether the you like it or not, yeah. they're feeding my kids. Yep. You know, they're making all of this happen. Yeah. So they're the most important part. And yeah, it's kind of, it can be frustrating and it can be challenging, especially when horse trainers and horse owners speak to- two totally different languages. Two completely different. <laughs> and so I have to have, I have to kind of be a, or bilingual mm-hmm. to be able to 
dictate what I'm saying and make it in a get it in a palatable form for them to where they're like, oh, that makes sense. That sounds right. Right. And I really undersell their horses to them yep. because I want them to be like, oh, wow. Yeah. You made him sound like he had a lot of problems. I was like, no, I made him sound like if this happened, you could die. Yeah. I want to know what potential wreck you could get into if something happened. Like, for example, we had a guy call last week and he's more of a... Um, a ranch guy and he's a good hand and he can get around colts well he just kind of wanted this horse to get the time to maybe to get the start that she needed to be shown potentially mm -hmm. and knew that if he just went to chase them all cattle on her it probably wasn't gonna set her on that path and he called and asked about her and i said yeah she's pretty stingy but i think she's really talented like i like the way she lopes She's just naturally gifted at stopping, and she just she's always carrying her weight around on her hind end. She's always balanced, and that's hard to teach, right? Right. So for her to be that naturally balanced, I see like some value here. But she is a little stingy, and like you could get in a wreck, yeah, <laughs> on her. And and he's like, well, what does that mean? And it's like, well, if you could definitely go check fence on her today. Like yeah. if you needed to go check fence right now, you could get the job done. But if you hung a hind leg and some down wire, you're probably going to die. She's going to kill you. <laughs> that, yeah. That was the, that's the image that I'm trying to paint all the time. It's like, yeah, you have a good horse. It's not a dink. And that's where guys like me or that are doing the same thing as me. They're always oh, a piece of shit. You need to sell him. Right. Well, no, it's not a piece of shit, but it's not maybe the horse for you. Right. And so it, that's the hardest part is figuring out how to say the right things to make sure that they know that they're getting their money's worth here. Yep. And that I'm looking out for them first. Yep. And when I'm riding their horse, I have them in mind, mind. because they're the one that's going to be riding it. That's my favorite thing that you say to everybody that drops their horse off, wants to bring their horse and your employees. Who are you riding that horse for? Because you're not riding it for you. If you're riding it for you, you need to do it that way. But yeah. you're not. That's not your horse. The mare that you're like, this mare needs a job. This is what she needs to do. Trying to explain that to the owner that's not going to give it a job. Sure. It's tough. Yeah. Just saying this, she needs something to do or she's not going to be enjoyable to ride. And that happens a lot the clients knowing what they have is a big deal for you. Yeah. Telling them what they've got and how to assess that from here on out. Yeah. And that's been the cool thing about the YouTube channel. Cause it is frustrating and draining on your day. Like, especially when you have as many to ride as we do, like somebody pulling in and visiting for 30, 45 minutes wrecks your day. Yep. Cause you're just standing there. Even if I am on a horse, I try to like, if somebody pulls in and they're leaning on the fence talking to me, I try to just like trot circles around them so that I could stay active. Yeah. But when they pull in, it does ruin your day. Mm -hmm. And it puts you in the house later than you anticipated. It kind of just slows the whole day down. Somebody's probably going to get missed now because that 45 minutes is gone. Yep. And the YouTube videos, like a 15-minute YouTube video that I could send to them and talk into it and explain what's going on has saved my relationships with my customers because I'm not mad at them. Right. Because I know they're not showing up for most of the time for no reason. Yeah. And I've had that before. People just wanting to pull in for no reason. But we also have an open gate policy where yep. you can pull in here and see your horse whenever you want. Yep. We're never going to be doing something that we don't want you to see. Right. And I don't know if I'm landing on the topic. I'm just talking about our deal. But I like for my customers to be involved because it's their horse. Yep. Like it's the shits when they're not involved, they pick the horse up and they're like, you didn't say this. Yeah. I thought this would be better than that. Yeah. And that's going to happen. Yeah. It's probably going to happen. It hasn't happened very often, but it's going to happen. When you can't read their mind, they no, don't know. You can't expect everybody to understand. Yeah. What their concerns, concerns are if they don't voice them. Yeah. But, I think what's neat about it, about you, and a lot of horse trainers are pretty good about this, but is this horse fit 
their program yeah, and not wasting their time and money or, and I think it's and really I will, hard. I will write them for no reason. If, yeah. that, if, if that's what they want, you bet. But <laughs> yeah. as, lo- as long as you know that I think that it's not going to be a good fit and you yep. want me to keep trying, I will keep trying. Yep. But what bothers me is when I say this is not going to be a good fit and I know they don't understand. Yep. And yeah. I think too, I have a hard time with people that own horses that only own two or three or five or they their whole life, right? You have been around so many horses since you were a little kid yeah. that you're getting really good about reading what that horse is meant to do, where they fit in this world. Or what they're struggling with. Right, and h- maybe how to fix it or if that's just who they are. Yeah, and I can't put it into words all the time because I'm not like a vet, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, when I say... I feel like some there's more to this than just a training issue. Yep. And it just doesn't happen all the time, but yep. sometimes it's like this feels like a vet thing. Yep. And when I need to get better at selling that. Yep. So that I don't know what I have to study or who I need to talk to, but when I say, hey, this horse is struggling right here. Yep. And I admire those old guys that could just look at a horse walk by mm-hmm. and they could tell you exactly what's wrong with them. Yep. And I'm hoping to get there someday. Yep. That would be really cool. I think one thing that I would like our program to be more fine-tuned is to be able to convince these clients where their horses are from where we see it and not where they see it. Sure. Without offending them. Yeah. And that's probably the hardest part. But they're their horses. They're going to do whatever they want with them, and you have to know that. But and I respect that. I do too because I don't it's want my any, kid, and I'm going to do what I see fit. And you can give me your opinion, especially if I came to you and paid for it. Yeah. You know, but at the end of the day, you're going to make your own decisions. But if I am going to an expert on something, uh, someone knows more than I do. I'm really going to take that into an account. Just be like, this horse is not what you're trying to make it to be. Yeah. Please stop wasting your time and your money. There's so many horses in the world. Sell it and go buy one that is for you. And don't be scared. I'd hate to be so afraid of losing money that I'm willing to risk my safety (laughs) or what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or just be stuck with this animal. Sure. And be mad about it. And and if you can afford to just take care of it, good Mm -hmm. on you. And that's cool. Whatever. But I'm not going to be financially strained by a horse. I believe that they're supposed to make our lives better. Yeah, not harder. And be that if making your life better means that it's standing out there in the pasture and it's fat and happy. Yeah. I love it. Yep. But if it is that this horse needs to fit in this mold to make your life better, then let's find one that fits the mold. Yep. Instead of trying to mash this horse into that mold. Yep. And... And I'm as guilty of it as anybody in the matter. Like most of these, we've got a lot of two and three and four year olds here. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, they are cow horses until proven otherwise. Right. And not that I'm going to force them into that mold, but that's the direction and the goal that I have because yep. that's another problem with the owner is if they don't have a goal, what it's really hard for me to help you reach something what are we doing? of value. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can. And so I kind of ride everything with that in the back of my mind. It's like, man, we'll just treat them like cow horses because like when you take a cow horse and go rope on it, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. When you take a cow horse and go cowboy on it, yeah, it's as long as it's tough enough to take it. Hell yep. yeah, it is awesome. Yeah. So and a cow horse in the sense of maneuvers, not so. let's feed it up and make sure it's shiny and pretty. No, we're still going to go do all the things that a horse is required to do. Sure. Like walk past the barking obnoxious dog at the neighbor's house without freaking out yeah and dragging the log and go over some down timber across the water all those things come into play too go heal the donkey go yes get as close to doing ranch work as we can on our with maneuvers yeah with our little place and do it in a soft supple willing manner yep shoot yep i mean that fits every horse that i want to be around exactly and i 
I really don't want to ride something that's not between my legs and between my bridle reins. So, oh, yeah, right. Like, that's oh. my goal. That's what I'm going for. And that cow horse kind of fits the mold. Yep. It's yep. been a good thing. And I think when people haven't rode a cow horse or a horse that just does what you ask it to do when you ask it, they don't know what you're talking about. And when you're like, no, when I put my leg on this sucker and I ask him to go over here so we can get the gate, he puts his head down. And he moves his feet and we go get the gate. Gives the pressure. No, yeah, nobody has to fight him to go do a simple task. Mike Kevill told me when I was 19 years old that horse, horses are easy. The only thing you got to teach them is give to pressure. Mm. And That's it's it. true. Yep. Wherever you apply pressure, they yield to it. Yep. You can go and do whatever, whatever it want. is you want to do. Yep. And their talent tells you how far you can go. Yeah. You can help improve those skills and improve those maneuvers but as long as they give to pressure yeah <laughs> i like to compare it to machines <laughs> like just yeah. grease whatever needs greased yep. if it ain't moving put a little grease on it yeah and get it to where it moves and then see how things are working can you imagine if you describe that to your client when they're in their car and they're like the brakes don't work but i love the car <laughs> okay well let's just go wreck yeah. you know so I'm going to drive it today. Yeah. So I'm going to take it out and drive down the I-17. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to just let somebody T-bone me because I don't have any brakes and I can't stop at the stop sign. Yeah. But it's a nice car. <laughs> it's a Porsche. Um, okay. Well, that was a fun little tangent about our business. Yeah. Rain us back in. Where are we going? Well, I think we just need to rein it in and talk about, well, that's what we do. Right. We ride nice horses. We're trying to make nice horses for the public and for ourselves and accomplish some of these goals that we have for bridal horses and fraternity horses um, and use those horses where they belong and help people with their horses. Yeah. Continue to do what we're doing. Mm -hmm. A lot of these are just colts that need started that are going to be rope horses or ranch horses and we still rope and trying to help our boys yep with their whatever it is that whatever they want to do yeah howdy's really into rodeo right now yeah. he's five there's a local junior rodeo association and they've done nothing but build these kids confidence and if that's what he wants to do we'll keep doing that and yeah. um and then, but not trying to shove them into our mold either no no if Just, that's what he wants to do we'll do it Yep. Whatever he decides. If he's like, hey, will you teach me how to spin my horse? Let's do it. You, you know? damn right. Um, and then the future for this podcast and why we are doing a podcast. Well, I think that both of us have shared our opinions and our lives a little bit on social media. And it's just been a jab every so often. When are you going to put out a podcast? Just talk about some things. We like, we like what you got going on. So your stories that you put out about the studs was really neat. You're a great storyteller. And I got a lot of feedback on Instagram about more history lessons and horses. And we'll probably expand that into more than just quarter horses. Oh yeah. Right. Definitely. Okay. I'm so, just trying to make, cause I listen to podcasts and less now, Mm-hmm. because there's so many people around and yeah. I feel like I'm separating myself from the world. So we play a lot more music on a loudspeaker in, but I wanted to create the podcast that I wanted to hear. And yeah. like, like cow horse full contact is one of my favorites. Cause I love those life stories mm-hmm. and bear grease is another one of my favorites because the amount of editing and effort that he puts into telling those stories is it's really fun. Like, I don't know. He did one on poaching deer a couple of days ago and me and Dan were driving back from Rio Verde and we were hooked. And yeah. Just so infatuated with the story. And I think that it would be fun to do the same thing that they're doing, but gear it towards the cowboy culture. Yeah. And we've got a lot of ideas that we're working on. We don't have a, a next episode planned out yet, but I've got Jake Berry and Charlie Lytle are both helping me out with research and writing and so there's a lot of cool ideas coming because i couldn't do it by myself right um i'm creative for a certain amount of time and then i get outside and i start loping circles and then the creativity goes into that so 
um, yeah, something good to do in the evenings and on the weekends and just have a, another little, I don't even know what you call it, but. Good stories and good conversation. Sure. With what we do and what we like, horses and cows and this industry. And we'll just keep going. Yeah. One podcast, like we said, might be a really neat story of something you probably never heard of or told in a different way yeah. and some sweet conversations, discussions, your opinion, things like that. Oh, cool. This was fun. If you made it this far, good for you. Great review. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know what you think. I will be setting up an Instagram and an email so you guys can respond to us. Well, my email's on there. And oh, great. You have access to that. and Perfect. Listen to us on Spotify and Apple. And I've been putting everything on YouTube also because I've got some old men that haven't figured out podcasts, but they do have a pretty good handle on YouTube. So yeah, I've been just trying to share it with the people that we care about and everybody else that comes along the way. We're more than welcome and hope to hear back and we'll just see where it goes. Look forward to it. All right. Bye, Kaylee. Adios.